Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Have you ever experienced life as an outsider? You know, have, have you ever had a situation, been in a situation where it was pain, painfully obvious to you that you didn't quite fit in? You weren't part of the in-group. Uh, I remember having this sort of an experience the summer after my freshman year of college when I went to work in a factory for three months. And uh, I just felt, I felt like a fish out of water. For, for starters, uh, everybody around me spoke Espanol. Okay, and I'd had a couple semesters of Spanish in school, but I certainly couldn't speak it or even listen to it as quickly as the people around me were talking. Uh, another thing uh, that sort of made me feel like, like, like an outsider was these people were very gifted with their hands as a factory, and uh, I am not mechanically inclined at all. I was clumsy, broke tools, things of that nature. You know, so there, there were a number of ways in which I just didn't feel part of this this group. You ever had that experience, fish out of water experience? I mean, maybe, maybe you were a clarinetist in the school band and one semester they threw you into a gym class with all athletes, right? Or, or maybe you don't have kids, but you've got a circle of friends and they're all parents and so whenever you get together, they all want to talk about their children. Or maybe you're the only African-American on an all-white, in an all-white department at work. Or, or maybe your fish-out-of-water experience is at church, maybe here at Christ Community Church. All sorts of reasons why you might feel like an outsider here. Uh, for example, it could be that you're, you know, you're coming to church after not having been a churchgoer most of your life, and so this is all new to you. Or, or maybe you have been a churchgoer, but you just moved. You moved from the godforsaken city of Green Bay, let's say. You knew I'd work that in someplace, right? Okay, and so, so you're used to church, but you're not used to the people you're sitting around today. They're all new to you. Okay, or maybe the kind of church you're used to that you grew, grew up in is a church with candles and icons and hushed reverence, and you come to Christ's community and you're greeted by a rock band that blows your hair back, if you got hair to blow back, all right? Or maybe you've walked into church today or you've come back recently because you're going through a life crisis and yet as you look at people around you, they seem like they got it all together. Or you watch as people walk into our, our four auditoriums carrying big Bibles and you don't even own a Bible. Well, maybe you own a Bible, you just have no idea where you put it. Okay. There are any number of reasons why you might feel like an outsider at church today. And so if you happen to be an insider at Christ Community Church, I want you to let that realization sink in. That there are people seated around you in the same row you're sitting in right now, right in front of you, right behind you, that don't feel quite at home. And so what are we as insiders, what are we going to do about that? You know, I want us to put our feet into the shoes of church outsiders today. In fact, I want us to ask God right now in our hearts to give us a heart, to give us a heart for outsiders. Now, we are in the third, the final week of a three-part series called Have a Heart. Have a Heart. We're talking about discovering a passion for people. 
The Bible teaches that when you become a follower of Jesus, when you surrender your life to Christ and he by his spirit comes to live on the inside, he gives you a passion for people. And what we've discovered is that oftentimes it's a passion for a particular kind of people. So if you're a Christ follower, God may have given you a passion for children. You want to love and serve kids. Or maybe Jesus has given you a passion for the poor, a desire to love and serve poor people. Or maybe uh, marriages that are in crisis, couples that are in crisis. Or uh, maybe people who are struggling with an addiction or who are over their head in debt. You know, God, God often gives us a passion for a particular kind of people. We're, today we're going to talk about a passion for outsiders. And, and my hope and prayer is that to some extent every Christ-following, Christ-community church attender would have a passion, a passion to some degree for outsiders. Because this is a reflection of Jesus' passion for outsiders. Now, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 15. That's our scripture for today. Uh, Luke chapter 15. And I want to give you four verbs. If you haven't taken the outline from your program, you might want to do that. Four action words that will help develop our passion for outsiders. And let me just say, by the way, if you are an outsider here today, don't think that this sermon is strictly for insiders because the fact of the matter is, even as an outsider, God can begin to use you to help make our church more passionate and welcoming for outsiders. So four verbs, four action words. Here's the first one, notice. Say that with me, notice, notice. Let me read for you the opening four verses of Luke chapter 15. Jesus says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around here, Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Let's stop right there. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for your holy word. So Jesus is accosted by this group of religious leaders. They are church insiders, if you will. And they're upset because they see Jesus doing, doing a lot of hanging out with church outsiders. I mean, he, he not only hangs out with them, he even eats with them. Okay, they've seen Jesus at Chipotle with tax collectors. Okay, so they know this to be true and they're muttering about it. Now, interestingly, the word muttered in verse 2 in the, uh, the, the, the verb tense of the original Greek text, it signifies continuous action. So they didn't mutter just once or twice. It was an ongoing thing. They were mutter, 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 mutter. All he does is hang out with outsiders, outsiders, outsiders. You know, they were pretty upset with him. And Jesus, rather than going on the defensive, he goes on the offensive, and he basically says, yeah, you're, you're right. I deliberately go out of my way to notice outsiders to focus on outsiders. In fact, that's what I want you to do as well. And so Jesus underscores the, the importance of having a heart for outsiders, a passion for, for outsiders. He, he underscores that in several ways. The first way he does that is he tells them a parable, a story. 
In fact, Jesus tells him three stories, three parables back to back to back. If you've got your Bible open to Luke 15, look at the section titles of this chapter. You've got the parable of the lost sheep, followed by the parable of the lost coin, followed by the parable of the lost son. Okay, so Jesus wants them to get the, the message that God cares about people who are outside, sheep who are outside the flock. That's our, our first parable and the one that we're going to park on today. The second thing that Jesus does to underscore the importance of having a heart for outsiders is that he punctu- punctuates his parable with a question. Now, he'll occasionally do this in his short stories, these short stories with a moral. He'll throw in a question. Bible scholars call this an interrogative parable. Jesus throws in a question because he's demanding a response. He's getting in the face of his listeners. He's telling the story, but he's saying, now now what do you do with this? What are you going to do with this? So if you look at verse 4, middle of the verse, you'll see the question. You know, he says, suppose you're, you're a shepherd with a lost sheep. Don't you go looking for it? See that in the middle of verse 4? Come on, guys, don't you go looking for the lost sheep, huh? Don't you notice that there is a sheep outside the flock? And then thirdly, Jesus underscores the importance of having a heart for outsiders by using an attention-grabbing analogy. Jesus asked these church insiders to imagine that they're a shepherd. Now, we read this and it doesn't even phase us, but in first century culture, that would have been shocking for him to say, imagine you're a shepherd, because they looked down upon shepherds. You know, shepherds were stinky. Shepherds were dirty. You know, it'd be sort of like Jesus addressing a crowd today at Christ Community Church and says, okay, now I want you to imagine for a moment that you're all garbage collectors. By the way, I used this illustration last night. A woman came up to me and said, three generations of garbage collectors in my, my, my family. I said, oh, I didn't offend you, did, did I? She said, no, we made a lot of money at it. So, uh, so, but the point is, you know, some of you would be insulted because you're thinking garbage collect, dirty, smelly. What? This is what they heard when he said, imagine for a moment you're shepherds. Now, now the irony is, although they look down their noses at shepherds in first century culture, in scripture, shepherds are held in high regard. Even God himself is referred to in the 23rd Psalm, King David's famous Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And God's a shepherd. So Jesus asks this group of insiders to imagine that you're shepherds. What? Yeah, yeah, imagine that you're the kind of shepherd who's genuinely concerned about his sheep. You notice, okay, you notice when one of them is disconnected from the rest of the flock. You you notice lost sheep. You, You notice outsider sheep. Jesus wants us to notice outsiders. Not outsider sheep, but outsider people, people who aren't at home with the rest of the flock. Now, you know, this definitely, this principle here definitely applies to noticing outsiders that we run into every day at work or at school or at our favorite coffee shop or at the gym or or wherever. But but today, I want to apply this principle to outsiders. Now listen, outsiders who show up every week at one of our four Christ Community Church campuses for a church service. Some of them feel spiritually lost. 
others are not spiritually lost, but they feel like outsiders to our church for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. They just don't feel like they belong here yet. So what, what do we do about these people? Well, as basic as it sounds, the first thing we're to do is to notice them. Jesus noticed and welcomed outsiders. He made them feel at home. So do we notice outsiders at Christ Community Church? Or do we make the, the, the mistaken assumption that people who come to church are mostly insiders? And I suppose that's true at many churches. I think many churches build their entire program around insiders. But here at Christ Community Church, we deliberately welcome outsiders to join us. I was, uh, I was reading a new poll done by Christian pollster Tom Rayner recently. Tom Rayner interviewed, surveyed 2,000 unchurched people, people who don't go to church. He found out that a third of these people said that they fully expected sometime in the future to check out church. Now, that was shocking to me. A third of the people who don't go to church say, yeah, we'll probably check it out at some point. 55% of the unchurched people he interviewed said that they would definitely come to church if they were invited by a family member or friend. Now that means that the guy, the neighbor who was mowing his lawn, who you drove by this morning on your way to church, he would come to Christ Community Church if you invited him. Better than even chance. Better than even chance. The student who sits next to you in algebra class would come with you to church if you said, hey, you want to go with me to church? Better than even chance, your mail carrier, who you get mail from every day and you greet and you say hello and say, hey, by the way, you, you got a church you go to because I love my church. Would love to have you check it out sometime. Better than even chance, the woman who exercises in the yoga class on the mat next to you, that she'd come to church with you if you just said, hey, would you like to go to church? So we expect that they're going to be outsiders in our midst. And even if we didn't do a great job of inviting them, there are any number of other ways that they find themselves to our, our, their, their way to our weekend services. For, for example, did you know that, that a growing number of people who attend our FPU, Financial Peace University workshops, a growing number are outsiders to Christ Community Church? Now, this is Dave Ramsey, internationally acclaimed financial manager. It's his material, and so people all around the country know about it. And so when we offer FPU, sometimes outside the walls of our church, sometimes at local businesses, a percentage of people who come are from outside our church. Some of them are going to hear about Christ's community through the FPU seminar and say, I ought to check the church out sometime. And so they're going to come. Or, or did you know that over 70 of our community groups, we've got almost 300 community groups, but a couple of months ago, over 70 of them did Love Your Neighbor projects. They went out into their local neighborhood, each community group, identified a person in need whom they could serve, and they served that individual. And my guess is a lot of those people who got served at some point are going to say, got to check out the church that's behind this. Did you know that over 11 weeks of summer camp, Camp Commotion, at Christ Community Church, we ministered to almost 800 grade school children, 800 unique kids, and what I mean by that is that some of the kids came back a second week or a third or fourth week, and so when you add the attendance for all 11 weeks, 2,754 kids got ministered to over the course of the summer. 
31, this is my favorite statistic, 31% of the kids we minister to come from outside our church. Now, I gotta believe at some point those parents, you know, who uh, the kid comes back from Camp Commotion and says, this is great, mom and dad, we gotta check this church out sometime. They're gonna show up for a weekend service here. Did you know hundreds of people come to our care night every Tuesday night? We now have care night at all four of our campuses. Yay, God. And so many of the people who come, of the hundreds who come, many are outsiders. But they're struggling with an addiction, or they're going through divorce recovery, or they're navigating grief in their life. For any number of reasons they're coming to care night, they're going to feel, here's a church that really cares about me, and they're going to show up for our weekend service. Now, I could go on and on, but the simple point I want to make is that outsiders are bound to be here every weekend. So the question is, do we notice them? And are we welcoming them? Just just, a footnote to this point, because you saw it in our video, pre-sermon video today. One of the things that we celebrated this last year is that we we successfully completed a two-year capital campaign raising over $11 million. Now, that was over and above our regular offerings given for the upkeep of the church. And this time around, we, we do a capital campaign like this every several years. This time around, the $11 million was going, for the most part, to our four campuses to do some, some building and some refreshing. Now, if you're an insider, you might be tempted to ask the question, do we really need to do that? Do we need nice buildings? I mean, come on, historically, the ancient Christians worshipped in the catacombs, in the caves. what, What do we need a nice building for? And the truth of the matter is, if you're a, a devoted Christ follower, you shouldn't need a nice building. But what we found are that nice buildings are attractive and welcoming to outsiders. One prime example of that, you folks in DeKalb, at our DeKalb campus today, you're worshiping in a brand new facility this past year. A year ago, before we made the move, the, the year before we moved into the new facility in DeKalb, at our rented farm and fleet building, we passed out 142 welcome bags to newcomers. This past year, DeKalb, now that you're in your new building, this past year we passed out 495 welcome bags to newcomers. So, if you ask the question, was it worth the investment, I'd say, sure looks like it to me. I mean, at our other campuses, well, even here in St. Charles, we're not only doing some uh, outdoors, some construction that you see still going on, we're still in the throes of it, but we did a refresh to our auditorium. And again, uh, several people have asked me the question, well, it didn't seem like things were falling apart. Did we really need to spend money on uh, refreshing our auditorium? And the question I usually ask people, do you like having guests over to your house? You know. How long has it been since you've refreshed your living room or your family room? New coat of paint or some different pictures or new piece of furniture? Did you wait 15 years? Because it's been 15 years since we refreshed this auditorium. And we just, we want our buildings to say, we're so glad you're here. So what's the first step to take if we want to develop a passion for outsiders? It's to notice. To notice, when you show up for a weekend service, just assume, if you're an insider, just assume that a bunch of people around you are outsiders. Number two, here's the second action word. 
leave. Now, I don't mean leave the church, okay? But Jesus does want us to leave our comfort zone. Go back to Luke 15. Look at the middle of verse 4. What does this shepherd do? Once he notices, that's step one, once he notices that one of his sheep is outside the flock, Jesus says, doesn't he leave, you can circle that in your Bible, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, there are some critics of the Bible who say this is a ridiculous story. I mean, what shepherd is going to leave 99 sheep unprotected in the middle of the wilderness to go search for a lost sheep? Jesus obviously doesn't know much about shepherding. Well, actually, Jesus knows more about first century shepherding than his critics do. Because a first century shepherd would often work in concert with other shepherds. He had colleagues. They would bring their flocks together and graze them in the same place. So if I have a sheep that's wandered off, I'm going to say to one of my colleagues, hey, hey, dude, would you mind watching my 99 sheep while I leave, while I leave them to go searching for the lost sheep? And that's the point that Jesus is making here. we got to be willing to leave our fellow insiders as we go off to connect with outsiders. we got to step out of our comfort zone. And by comfort zone, I mean the circle of people that we're used to hanging out with when we come to church. Is that family members? Is that our friends that we meet here? Is it, uh, you know, the community group buddies we like to hang out with, we, we got to leave them at least for a bit in order to pay some attention to people who look like they, they, they might be outsiders. Now, Jesus' audience in Luke 15, again, they were insiders who were not willing to do this. They wanted to stay in their holy huddle. And this was not new to Jesus' audience. In fact, in Old Testament times, through the prophet Ezekiel, God had chided the religious leaders of his day, the top dog insiders, that they weren't willing to go after outside sheep. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 6, God says, My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. A couple of verses later, verse 8, God says, My shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves. Those insiders cared for themselves. When we show up for church on the weekend, you know, it's so easy for us if we're, we're insiders to simply care for ourselves. We're here for our own spiritual nourishment. We're here to enjoy the experience with our friends or with our family. But I want to ask you, if you're an insider, do you remember your first weekend at Christ Community Church? Now, even if you came here as a follower of Jesus and loved the church the minute you walked through the door, I'm guessing you felt that first week at least, maybe for a month or two, like an outsider. But that was week one, and now you're three months into it, or you're six years into it, or, or you're 20 years into it. And now you've got your posse. Now, now you've got the people you look forward to hanging out with, maybe the, the fellow members of your community group that you sit with every weekend. That's okay. But do you ever leave? Do you ever leave 
the comfort zone of your family and friends and introduce yourself to somebody else at a weekend service. Maybe as you're dropping your child off at Kids World and then making your way to the auditorium, you, you stop and you talk to the, the parent who was dropping their, their kid off just before you. Or maybe when you sit down, you look around and you see an unfamiliar face and you leave the comfort of your seat and you go over and introduce yourself. You know, one of the reasons that we've divided each of our campus auditoriums into zones is because we want you to get used to the people you normally sit around. Every, every one of us gravitates to the same area most weekends. So we want you to, to be familiar with the people around you so when an unfamiliar face shows up, you'll recognize that person, leave your seat and go over and make them feel welcome. That's why every several weeks, we carve out a three-minute three segment in our, our service where we toss out an icebreaker question and we ask you to stand to your feet and mix it up with other people in your zone, fully knowing that those of you who are shy or introverted hate us for do, making you do that. But let me just say to you, friends, we're not asking you to spend a day or two in the broiling wilderness searching for sheep. We're just asking you to take three minutes and step out of your comfort zone and meet somebody who looks unfamiliar and make them feel at home. Leave. Leave. I wish that for every weekend of this coming year, every one of us who is an insider, this is the word that, that, that would be rolling through our minds when we show up for a service here. Leave. Yeah, I gotta leave my family for a few minutes. I need to leave my circle of friends. I, I need to leave the seat I've sat down in. I need to leave my cell phone for a moment. I need to leave my reserved or insecure personality. What's the word to remember? Call it out. Leave. Leave. Quick anecdote. Just before I left on my summer study break, after one of our services at the St. Charles campus, I was hanging out in the Welcome Center, and I could see a woman waiting to talk with me. And there was a long line of people ahead of her, and so out of the corner of my eye, I was wondering if she would stick, if she'd stay around. And she stayed patiently and waited and waited, and I thought this must be pretty important for her to wait. And she finally came up to me and she said, this is my third time here. And I said, that's terrific. And she said, I got something to tell you. And I said, great. And she said, this is not a friendly church. I said, oh. And she said, no, I've been here three times and nobody has said even hello to me except the greeters at the door. And that's their job as I get it. She said, but I've sat down and people have walked, crossed over me to get to a seat not even said hello. The first thing I did is I, I apologized. I said, I'm so sorry that you've had that experience. And I did explain to her, I said, I mean this honestly, but most often the story I hear from newcomers is just the opposite of what you're telling me. I hear almost on a weekly basis people say, wow, I never expected a big church to be so friendly. So I hope you'll give us a chance, okay, to reach out to you in the future. But her story reminded me that, that, that even though we talk about friendliness and leaving and noticing, and it is so easy for outsiders to come and go and never make a connection. And I want to say to those of us who are insiders, let's not let that happen, okay? We got to leave. Got to leave. Number three, here's a third action word. 
What did the shepherds do after noticing, the shepherd, after noticing that one of his sheep was outside the flock and then after leaving 99 insiders for a brief time, look at the middle of verse 4 again, doesn't he go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So let me point out the obvious here. This shepherd was not going to connect with the outsider sheep unless he took some initiative. He, he was not going to connect with the outsider sheep unless he put some effort, some work into it. Now, this was the really, really shocking part of Jesus' parable to his first century listeners. Let me explain. They knew that this parable was autobiographical. They knew that Jesus was talking about himself because he had frequently referred to himself as the good shepherd. They had heard him say, you know, my father sent me from heaven to look for lost sheep and to bring them home. They had heard him say that at some time in the near future, he planned to lay down his life in order to bring lost outsider sheep into God's family. Now, this is what was so shocking to them, to hear Jesus talk like this. See, they believed that God welcomes outsiders into his family. But they believed it was the outsider's responsibility to take the initiative and make the effort to get there. So if an outsider sought God out, if an outsider repented of their sin and said, oh God, please take me in, then God would welcome them. But the initiative and the effort was all on the part of the outsider. That's what they believed. And Jesus teaches something radically different. He says, oh, no, no. The initiative, the effort is all God's. All God's. Now, if you're an insider, and by insider here I mean you're a follower of Jesus, haven't you found this to be true in your life? I mean, when you were separated from God, from a holy God because of your sins, didn't God send his son from heaven to seek you? Okay, when the penalty of your sins was death, and that's what the Bible teaches, that if you're going to disconnect, if you're going to go your own way and disconnect from the God who's the giver of life, then the consequence is going to be death. So when the penalty for your sins was death, didn't Jesus die on the cross to take your penalty? Didn't he die the death you deserve to die? When you'd never heard this gospel story, this salvation path, didn't God send somebody into your life? Maybe it was a parent, maybe, maybe it was a kid's world worker or a student ministries person. Maybe it was a friend at college. Maybe it was somebody at work or a neighbor. Didn't God send somebody into your life to tell you the good news about Jesus? Didn't you hear from somebody else that God sent? And even then, when you were too stubborn to bend your knee, to surrender to Christ, didn't God send his Holy Spirit to mellow your heart, to overcome your resistance until the day when he carried you across the line of faith? Didn't God do it all? Of course he did. And that's Jesus' point in his story. The initiative, the effort have always been God's, not ours. When we were outsiders, God came looking for us, and he didn't stop until he brought us home. In fact, if you're an outsider here today, I, I, I hope you're hearing what I've just said. That Jesus is coming after you. You're a lost sheep. He wants in his family. 
And now, if you're an insider, Jesus wants us to follow his example. Okay, he has been our supreme example. He wants us, like him, he wants us to notice outsiders. Like him, who left the comfort of heaven, he wants us to leave our comfort zone and our circle of friends. And like him, he wants us to put some effort into this, to, to volunteer, to exercise some initiative, do some work in order to bring others, outsiders, home. Now, I choose the word volunteer here because that's the word we use to describe engaging in ministries at our weekend services that make outsiders feel welcome. You know, I, I said earlier there are, are plenty of outsiders uh, where you work or at school or at the gym or at your favorite coffee shop, but, but today our focus is on reaching out to outsiders who drive onto one of our four campuses every weekend and show up at our services. How can we have a heart for those people? How can we love and serve them? The answer is volunteer. Now, 2018, we've already been calling 2018 for the last eight months, we've been calling it the year of the volunteer. The year of the volunteer. Because we need hundreds of volunteers to make this church what it is, to make it a welcoming place to outsiders. Uh, we, did a, uh, we did a survey last spring, and we found out, survey at our weekend service, we found out that 54% of our regular attenders volunteer in some way. They serve our church, or they serve through us, not just on weekends, but they serve our midweek ministries, they serve some of our community impact partners. 54%, which as near as I can tell, is better than double the national average. So doing a great job. I did the math on that. 54% of almost 5,000 weekend attenders means 2,700 people people volunteering and serving in some way at Christ Community Church. Fantastic. However, our goal this year is to see the remaining 46% step up and find a place to serve, to volunteer, to develop a passion for making this the sort of church that reaches out to outsiders. Every year at, at the beginning of a ministry season, our staff chooses three or four what we call biggie goals for the year. This year we've got one, only one biggie goal, and that's volunteerism. Now, when it comes to our services, again, you may find a place to volunteer around here that has nothing to do with the weekend service, but since that's my focus today, making our weekend services welcoming to outsiders, let me tick off a few ministry opportunities you can volunteer for on the weekend. Traffic team. You know, the first group of guys that you meet when you drive onto one of our campuses. Uh, ushers. Zone leaders and zone prayers who, after the service, pray for anybody who needs prayer. Kids world workers. We talked about this in depth a couple of weekends ago, but there are kids world opportunities as teachers, as craftspeople, as uh, parent welcomers, and, and all sorts of opportunities in kids world. Creative arts. Not just the musicians you see on stage who are gifted vocally or playing an instrument, but tech people and uh, grips who carry stuff on and off the platform and so on. Information counter people, cup of joy people, door greeters, people who stand at our outside door or at the doors to our auditorium, welcoming people. You know, just a word about door greeters. 
if we want to extend a welcome to every possible demographic profile, then we need door greeters that represent every possible demographic profile. You following me? So we need, for example, we need teenagers who are going to be door greeters. Why? Because we hope that when middle school and high school students show up at our church, they're greeted by teenagers and say, oh, I guess this is a place for me too. We, we need people who are single adults to be door greeters. We need people of color to be door greeters. We need people with disabilities to be door greeters. We need white collar, blue collar, ring around the, the collar people to be door greeters. Unless you're grumpy. If you're grumpy, don't be a door greeter, okay? We'll find something else for you to do. But those of you who are insiders, volunteer. In, in fact, as I said, from the outset of the, the sermon today, even if you're an outsider, if you're starting to come with regularity now, help us make this a more welcoming place. Volunteer. As an outsider, you can help us be more welcoming to outsiders. How do you find out more about ministry opportunities? We've got a website. It's called Simply Serve. You go to the website. There are hundreds of opportunities you could check out in greater depth. Let me say, if you don't check it out in the next 24 to 48 hours, you probably won't check it out, right? So you're hearing this now. Make a note, write it down, check out, simply serve. Notice, leave your comfort zone, volunteer. A fourth action word, recruit. Recruit. Let's finish up the parable, verse 5, where we left off. Jesus says, and when the shepherd finds the lost sheep, the outsider sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then, now listen to this, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So what does the shepherd do in Jesus' story? after bringing his outsider sheep back home. Well, he calls together a bunch of friends and he invites them to join him in celebrating. So our, our, our fourth action word that I want to give you is this word, recruit. And right now, many of you are wondering, how did I get the word recruit from this parable's closing description of a shepherd celebrating with his friends? Here's the connection. And I don't think I'm... Um, stretching the application of this parable by saying this. Something we've discovered about recruiting volunteers at Christ Community Church is that the best way to recruit volunteers to make this a more welcoming place for outsiders, the best way to recruit is not, is not by making announcements about ministry opportunities, even though we do that every weekend. The best method, most effective, motivating way to recruit is not by telling people about our Simply Serve website, though I've just told you about it and said, go check it out. The best way to recruit for ministries around here is not to preach a scintillating sermon on the topic, though this is as scintillating as I can make it, right? What is the best, most effective, most motivating way to recruit people? I'll tell you what it is. It's when volunteers who are already serving in some area of ministry say to a friend or a family member or the people in their community group, hey, I'm having a ball serving. I see God making a difference through me in kids' world, in this area, in that. Would you join me? 
Would you join in the celebration, so to speak? See, this is the shepherd who's saying, finding lost sheep, going after outsider sheep is really cool. Why don't you join me? Come on, let's party about this. So if you're a Kids World volunteer, let me ask you, if you're in a community group, have you ever thought about asking the people in your community group, hey, if you don't have a place to serve, I love, I really dig Kids World. Anybody want to join me? You ever do, do that? Or if you're a parent, you got kids, and you're, you're currently a door greeter, have you ever thought about saying, hey, let's do this as a family? Come on, kids, all nine of your kids join you at the door. So we cover every demographic group right there, right? So, you ever thought about doing, uh, plugging into ministry around here as a family? Serving in some way as a family? Or what about if you happen to be on one of our, our worship teams, you've got a lovely voice. Do you have a friend who comes to Christ community with you and you know they've got a tremendous voice that's going unused? Have you ever thought about saying, join the party, join me on the worship team? See, part of your job, if you're a volunteer here, part of your job description is to recruit because nobody does it better than you. All 2,700 of you, if you can sincerely say to others, come join me at the party, we're going to see people stepping up and making this an amazing place that feels so warm, so welcoming when outsiders come in on a weekend. You get it? Good. I waited all sermon to roll that one out. <laughs> you know, I'm going to close our service in a, a word of prayer right now and then ask our campus pastors to come back uh, on stage and say a, uh, a farewell to you at the local campuses, as I'll do here in St. Charles. But right now, would you bow with me in prayer? And I want to lead those of you who know yourselves to be outsiders in terms of a relationship with Jesus. You know, to pray the sort of prayer that will bring you to the inside, because right now, Christ is seeking you. I want you to know that he came all the way from heaven to seek outsiders. I want you to know that he gave his life on the cross to take the penalty that your sins deserve. And that what he wants to hear from you right now is, I surrender. Can you tell him that? Say, I, I want to be an insider. I want to be part of the flock. I want to be found today. He's taken the initiative. He's done all the heavy lifting. Now he wants a step of faith on your part for you to say, oh, I do repent of my sins. I turn my back on them. I'm so grateful that you've forgiven me. Can you tell him that? Forgive me now. Make me a new person. Teach me here at Christ Community Church what it means to follow you. And if you've already taken that step and you're an insider here, would you pray right now from your heart, oh, Lord, give me a passion for outsiders. You know, if you pray that prayer, and if we get hundreds of people across our four campuses praying it right now, it's going to make a difference even in how we file out of our auditoriums today, isn't it? We're going to be noticing and leaving our comfort zone and saying hello, maybe going to an information counter to volunteer. Lord God, I pray that you'd give us your heart for outsiders. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen.